Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm Isaiah. I'm the lead pastor here at the Power Place. The Power Place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. It's why we're here. It's why we exist. Our heart is for you to grab a hold of all that God is and daily encounter him. Not just let it be a Sunday morning calendar event. Not let it just be a Monday and Tuesday and then fizzle out by Wednesday, but daily encountering him. Uh, and, and when we talk about encountering the Lord, we don't just mean encounter him once and then let it fizzle. We mean have, have an, a, an appointment with the Father where you encounter him and then you carry it through your day. And you continue to encounter him. It's encounters. It's daily encounters. Not just an encounter. We want to encounter him continually, whether you're driving in your car, whether you're working in your cubicle, whether you're at the grocery store, it doesn't matter where you are. Encounter the Lord intentionally. I love where Pastor Luke went there. It's intentionally being in his presence. When you're intentional in his presence, things are different. When you come into his presence, anticipating, intentionally driving into who he is, things are different. It hits different. He speaks different. When you say, Lord, I'm here. I want you. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Lord, your servant's here. Speak. I'm listening. When you get in that posture, in that position, all of a sudden he starts to download. He starts to pour. He starts to fill you in new ways. As you're encountering the Lord this week, please continue to pray for Israel. Let me just take a moment and make it abundantly clear what the power place's stance is when it comes to Israel. This house unapologetically stands with Israel. This is not about politics. This is about the word of God. In Genesis 12, 2, it says, this is, this is the Lord speaking of Israel. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God has made covenant with Israel through scripture, and the Jewish people are his chosen people. Yes, this house loves what God loves. God loves the nation of Israel, so this house loves the nation of Israel. This house stands with Israel. Come on, can we just take a moment and give back who, what's his? Come on, can we just give it back? Lord, we praise you right now, Lord, and we thank you that the nation of Israel is in your hands. Come on, church, lift your voice. The nation of Israel is in your hands, God. We give it back to you right now in Jesus' name. We say, come, Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you, Lord. And we stand we stand today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, we'll be diving into God's love for Israel and why we should care about Israel. And I'm excited about that, and you should be too. We stand as a church united, together, seeing what God wants to see. And all we do is, as people of God is we're obedient, we just fall into his presence and say, Lord, we're here, and we're here to be obedient. Amen. I've been going through this giant slayer series and slaying a whole bunch of giants. How many of you have enjoyed walking through all of these different things that have been being slain right in front of us? Amen. Amen. 
I don't know about you, but I'm excited to get to church every week and see what God does here in this house. And so we've walked through a whole bunch of different giants, different giants that stand tall, different giants that stand strong, that try to come against our stance when we're walking with God. And today, I believe, is one of the greatest giants of our day. It's one of the greatest giants that is plaguing the church. It's one of the greatest giants that is plaguing God's people. It's the giant of religion. The spirit of religion, and let me just be very clear, the spirit of religion is a demonic spirit. The religious spirit is a demonic spirit. Let me be very clear. The religious spirit is a demonic spirit. So many people are like, oh, I, I don't dabble in any of that. No, no, no. Hear me. The religious spirit is a demonic spirit, and it is out to attack the church. And it comes in the form of hiding behind religious people. That's why whenever I hear the statement, oh, you know, I've never been religious before, but now I want to be, I'm like, oh, hey, 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 whoa, chill dog. Take a seat. Religion is no relationship with God. I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, I don't want a religion. I don't want a ritual. I don't want something that just falls in. I, I got to do this on this certain time because this is what. No, no, no. I want a relationship with the Father where he speaks. I want a relationship with the Father that when I show up, he shows up and we have a, a talk. And I know on the other side of that talk, I'm going to have some difference. I know that when I get before the Father, he can strip me of pride. He can strip me of anxiety. He can strip me of depression. He can strip me of anything that I'm dealing with because of my relationship with him through conversating with the Father. All of a sudden, things start to go and I am able to loose it in Jesus name. See, the religious spirit has you bound and holds you tight. The religious spirit is a type of demonic spirit that influences a person or group of people to replace a genuine relationship with God with works and traditions. When people operate out of a religious spirit, they attempt to earn salvation. This evil spirit has established non-biblical beliefs and customs for generations. We know the devil disguises himself as an angel of light, attempting to counterfeit any of God's good and perfect gifts. It comes from 2 Corinthians. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light in efforts to cause chaos, confusion, division, shame, guilt. He does this in many ways, but one being the work of the religious spirit. If you're taking notes at the top of your Notes, you can write, the giant of religion has to die. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. How many of you can attest to that? We're in the last days. We're in the last days. We're facing, we're facing wars. We're facing things. We're facing chaos. We're facing people in disguise. We're facing all of these demonic things that are attached to different areas and different things that are coming our way. We are in the last days. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor. We're in the last days. How many of you were a child at once? And whenever you heard we were in the last days, you started to panic. You started to have that thought process. Oh, no, am I ready? I need to go back to kids camp. Or you got to youth camp and, you know, you're 13, getting saved, 14, getting saved, 15, getting saved, 16, getting saved again. And you're like, Lord, I've got to make it right. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. You know, you think of the rapture. And you're like, oh, 
<laughs> I don't know if I'm going. I had Lucky Charms for breakfast. I know they're tainted. I don't know if they actually are. That wasn't, I, I, there was no tie there. I love Lucky Charms. But here's the thing. We, we, we have this, this moment as a child where it's like, it's a panic moment. Am I right? And then as we grow older, we start to make excuses why we are right. See, as a child, we panic because we have this moment where we're like, Lord, I've got to get to heaven. And when I get to heaven, Lord, what is it going to look like? And am, am I ready, Lord? Do I know you? Am I actually in posture and position to be able to get to you? And then as we get older, we're like, I can do this and still get to heaven. Right, Lord? I mean, I never saw that in your word, Lord. And, and you say in your word, you know, you, you have a whole bunch of these rules and regulations, and I don't really like that. So I can kind of obey them, right? That's okay, right? Your Ten Commandments were out there just for, like, guidance. Yeah, right? And then your, your prayer time becomes this discussion with the Father with, how much can I get away with and still please you? And the Lord's up in heaven, and he's like, you can't. You will not please me without full obedience and full surrender. And all of a sudden, this religious spirit attaches itself to you. And now you come into church with your arms crossed, looking at everybody else while they worship, saying, oh, it's just emotion. I can't get down with this. What is this? Why does everybody like jump? You lift your hands the entire worship service. That's like 45 minutes of lifting your hands. Aren't your fingertips numb by the end? I've got my own relationship with the Lord. The Lord knows that I love him. I don't have to show him. And all of a sudden, the religious spirit has attached itself to you, and now you're greater than everybody else around you, and the Lord loves you more than he loves them because he speaks to you in your private moments, but not in public moments. And I question that because how do you know where the Father's going if you can't even show him love in a public setting? I'm telling you, the religious spirit is out to attack the church of tomorrow. I heard Dr. Michael Brown talk about a vision that he had of the church right, uh, right during COVID, where he saw churches lighting on fire and the fire of the Holy Spirit resting on churches that would host him. As I heard him say it, I felt in my spirit, the Lord say, you're one of those churches. We will host the fire of the Holy Spirit and waves of his presence will come in continually because the dam that's set up around this region is breaking in Jesus' name and the water is about ready to rush and the fire will shine bright in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, we are a church made for the lost that all we care about is his presence. Ah, hear me and hear me well, church. The religious spirit has to die. But understand this. That in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And I love the last line. Avoid such people. Some of you are drawn to these people because you want to help them. And that's okay until you get affected by them. 
Some of you aren't strong enough to get around those people, but that's all you surround yourself with. And so when you get around them, you become like them. And when you start to mirror them, the Lord steps back. He's like, I warned you of this. I warned you of this. I wrote it in the word. Come on, man, through my people. I let you know, avoid such people. You got to get away. These are growing. As I read that, you started to think of people in your mind. Because they're everywhere. The Lord is warning us of this. He's like, hey, be careful. Understand that this is where the world is going. Warning. We are in the last days, and this is an accurate picture of what is going on in our world. I will say this. The religious spirit is easily offended. It's easily offended. If you ever have been around a religious spirit person, a person that has the religious spirit attached to them, you know that you can't fight anything that they say. It's easily offended. So you've probably given up fight of even talking to them about church things. Because the religious spirit goes automatically into defense. Defending. Trying to take your attention off of the actual goal of bringing clarity to a confused person. They're going to try to distract and get you away with the offense that's coming from their mouth. A religious spirit is controlling. And I want you to understand that God is not a puppeteer. Religious spirit is controlling. And I want you to hear me. God is not a puppeteer. He will not pick you up and, and, and take you places. And, and you're like all of a sudden Pinocchio walking around being like, hi, I'm Jesus lover. Hi, here I am. God doesn't do that. He won't take you and place you and operate you and make you move. And everybody's, oh, I, I'm just waiting for the Lord to pick me up and show me. Whoa, no, God's not a puppeteer. He will give you clarity, wisdom, and discernment when you're in his presence, understanding the move ahead. If you're sitting in a business decision, if you're sitting in a, a big family decision, if you're sitting in, in, in big world decisions as of today, get in his presence and ask him for clarity. Lord, I will stay here until you pick me up and move me. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, he could, but it's not going to happen. He's waiting for your movement after he gives you clarity. The problem is we get into his presence and all we do is talk and we never listen. And so all we do is fill his ears and we never let him fill ours. And so our spirit's always empty when we get done because all we've done is a big rant fest in his presence rather than let him speak. Have you ever had a moment in his presence where you say, Lord, just speak. I'm here. I'm going to shut my mouth. What my wife wants me to do, I'm going to listen. Have you ever been in his presence and just been quiet? So, Lord, you know, you know, speak. God, I need clarity in this. I'm going to take moments in your presence and listen. And then God starts to reveal things. Hey, son, you got a little pride over here. Whoa, 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 Lord, I never gave you access to that. I said, speak. Isn't that supposed to be like some holy language where you will like speak to me and give me like visions and dreams of the future? No, no, no. First, I need you to take care of that pride because I'll never be able to use you without stripping that. 
And all of a sudden in his presence, you have this slicing moment where the Lord is cutting off something that you've allowed to attach itself to you. And in that moment, there's freedom when you give it to the Lord. Lord, if you see pride in me, strip it. Lord, I don't want that. I give it to you. And in that moment when it's stripped, all of a sudden freedom. And when freedom comes, now you're just running around. You're like, hey, uh, uh, Jimmy, I just want you to know that I was struggling with pride, but the Lord set me free. And for some reason, I feel comfortable telling you that. I just feel like this overwhelming humility coming on me. It's amazing. And you're at work and sitting around the lunch table. And you're like, guys, I just want you to let you know I was, I was dealing with pride. And the Lord totally delivered me of it. You're weird. I know. And he loves me. And he loved me enough to show me what I was dealing with. And now all of a sudden you come into church and everybody that you used to care about looking at you worshiping, you don't care about anymore. And now all of a sudden when the worship band starts, like you can't wait for them to start. You're like you're sitting in your seat like, please, please just start. And the moment they start, you're like, ta-da! <laughs> And every, every ounce of pride that you had previously up until that moment, since it's gone, now all of a sudden you have freedom in his presence, freedom in his spirit. And when he starts to speak, you're like, i got a journal while I'm worshiping. How do I do both? You all think we're crazy around here. No, we are just invested in his presence. And when we're in his presence, he reveals things. And all of a sudden you got to strip things back. And it's like, oh, Lord, do it. Tuesday, we're in staff meeting. And Tuesday morning, I'm praying driving into what the Lord wanted to reveal in staff meeting. And all of a sudden, the Lord started downloading. Hey, listen, Sunday's coming. You're going to be taking care of the religious spirit. And I felt a pleasure from the Lord. And then I felt him say, let's take care of it in your staff first. Oh, you thought we were perfect. <laughs> no. Far from so we came into staff meeting. We started praying. We started inviting his presence into the, into the room. And all of a sudden, you could feel his presence. You could feel his pleasure land on the room. And we started to say, religious spirit, go. Anything that's attached itself to us, we want it gone in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, you felt a freedom come in the room. And dancing started to break out. And there was a freedom in the room. And his presence started to rush in. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was like, what religious spirit? Do you care enough to go before the Father and say, Lord, what needs to go in me so that I can have all of you? Do you care enough? In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a choice. It's a choice to choose him. Now, choose life. You have a choice. I'm not a puppeteer. You have a choice. But hear me, son and daughter. Choose life. Choose life. Choose to lay it all down. Choose to walk forward in life. A religious spirit is easily angered when people don't comply. A religious spirit is easily angered when people don't comply. 
when the church doesn't comply, when the pastor doesn't preach what we're supposed to be preaching, when we fall out of line with what they believe. A religious spirit will always rise up when someone comes against what they believe. We've had many a religious spirit in this house come and grab you right after you speak and say, I got I to question you on something. Okay? Have you asked the Lord about it before you came to me about it? Here's the thing. I want you to understand that the Father cares about you, but if you find yourself in a questioning state constantly, that's a problem. If you find yourself in a, ooh, I don't know about, ee, out of you, what, who, are you going to the Father and saying, Lord, bring me clarity? Lord, bring me clarity. My offense is not with that. My offense is not with them. My Lord, I want clarity on it. Give me clarity in it. If you're frustrated with the church, you're probably frustrated with a lot of people on the outside of this church. So you probably live in a constant state of frustration. And that's one big, big red flag saying, hey, I might be dealing with a religious spirit. In James 1.19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. The moment that I start fast reacting is the moment that I miss the mark. This is something we teach our kids. I, I, I said it this week. Hey, don't react. Respond. Don't react. Your reaction is fast. It's quick. You, you want to jump on it. You want to say what you have to say. Whoa, whoa, don't react. Respond. So take a moment. Think about it and deliver what the Lord's putting in your heart. Don't react. Uh, that's, that's one of our biggest issues in, in, in the world today is that we react to everything. We see something, it's reaction. Let me get my, my, my two cents in there. Let me comment on this post because I believe that what I have to say is the greatest. It's probably not. The Lord is he's leading you and he's guiding you. So take moments. Be quick to listen. And who you're listening to matters. So be quick to listen to his voice. Whenever someone comes for advice, I always ask, have you asked the father yet? Because I don't want to answer before the father answers. Go ahead and ask him first. Let him reveal. I'll give you my two cents, but isn't his two cents better? I'm just human. He's the God of all. When you get into his presence and start asking him for clarity, all of a sudden he starts to reveal and it's so good. A religious spirit grows weeds, not fruit. A religious spirit grows weeds, not fruit. Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. I love it. It's a warning. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are a ferocious Wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Can I recognize you by your fruit? Because if I walk up to you and I stumble over a weed, I will know immediately what you're dabbling in. 
It's serious in here. Weeds are everywhere. Weeds are everywhere. And let me give a warning. Some of you are so fixated on fixing the weeds, you've forgotten to take care of your own fruit. Let me put it a different way. Don't let your religious spirit try to correct someone else's religious spirit. You see, sometimes we get so focused on everybody else that we forget to take care of our own. And so it becomes a a judgmental fest everywhere we go. Man, I can't believe they dabbled in that sin. I would have never done that. But you're busy not Sabbathing every week and not listening to one of the commands. But your sin isn't as big. Man, I would have never, ever done what they did. But you gossip on a daily And so what you're doing is you're measuring the amount of sin and what it's worth to you rather than dealing with the personal inside of yourself. One thing that we always recommend for whether it's young leaders, young adults, youth, hey, take a selfish season and get into God's word and let him pour and fill you up rather than trying to go around and fix everybody else. Take a selfish season and learn, grow and glean rather than trying to be everything Step back and let the Lord start to reveal some things that you can peel back. Because one of the greatest things you can do as a young leader is let the Lord peel back layers. And what the Lord will do when you get intentional in those moments is he'll send people your way to help you see what you can't see. You just got to get in position. You just got to get in the posture. You say, Lord, lead me, guide me, show me. And so it's in that area that the Lord speaks. People with a religious spirit, they use Jesus' name and make up their own Christianity and change the scriptures to suit themselves. People with a religious spirit, they use Jesus' name and make up their own Christianity and change the scriptures to suit themselves. You can see it all through Instagram, every post about scripture, and they're taking it, changing it, twisting it, tainting it, adding it, taking it away from it, not posting the first scripture that really is deleting the second one that they chose to post. There's so many areas of confusion, and now we've just blasted it out to the world and said, here it is. Now you've got all these lost sheep walking around because nobody's leading them and nobody's guiding them. Be careful. A religious spirit will lead themselves and others to hell by subscribing to false doctrines instead of faithful, obedient relationship with Jesus. In Matthew 23, verse 15, it says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Oh, the religious spirit is spiritually blind. 
A person with religious spirit is spiritually blind. In Matthew 15, 14, it says, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. You're following someone that has no spiritually soundness. Their mind is not sound. That's why they waver back and forth. That's why when you ask them one day what they believe, it's different than the following week. And they're like, hey, man, I changed my opinion on that. What do you mean? Well, I don't know. You're all over the place. You bounce from thought to thought and wavering thought to wavering thought. And it's this, this ruckus and chaos of, of emotions. Ah, did you feel him today? I felt him. Yeah, I always feel him. Well, I actually felt like I wanted to enter in today. That's different. Okay, maybe you're having a good day. I, I don't know. No, 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 no. His presence is here always. It's our choice whether we want to enter in or not. And I'm telling you, you can find yourself in that, in that position, in that state where you're sitting, you're seeing like, I don't really feel like it. Lord, do I have to to please you? Because if this is what it looks like, I know there's a lot more comfortable churches out there that'll let me be me. I just want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I just want to hold my bag. I want to do me. I want to go where I want to go. I want to do what I want to do. I want to say what I want to say, but Lord, I still want to get in. That's not comfortable to me, Lord. So, Lord, you're full of love and grace. So why would you push me? The Lord's like, take that offense. It needs to go. I love you, but because I love you, I'm not going to leave you there. I love my children, so I discipline them. I love them. I love them so much, I won't leave them the way they are. If I did, I'd be creating nasty little humans that are running around everywhere out there. The parents that have chosen to let them be. Oh, just let them be. I got on the car ride on the way home after this, our school took a field trip, and uh, my son Roman was like, Dad, did you see all the boys with nail polish on today? Little boys, little boys, pink nail polish. I was like, no, I didn't, but they're lost. So just pray for them. The confusion's everywhere. Oh, but just let them be. Let them make their own choices. Let them do them. Therefore, they know what they're talking about. Let them be. Let them be. Come on, they're wise. They're so smart. They know who they are. Let them go. Let them make choices. Whoa, 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 whoa. The last time I checked my word, the Lord teaches and trains continually, even into old age. I watched my grandfather, 84 years old, still reading his Bible every day. Why? Why? You already know it all. You've read through it a hundred times. Who cares? Give it up. No, no, no. He might show me something new. So I've got to get into his presence because I've got to see what does he want to reveal to me today? There's got to be something new in here for me today. I know I've read it for years over and over and over again, but I have an encounter with the Lord and it's, a, it's an appointment with the Lord wants to speak to me. So I'm going to get his word. I'm going to get in his presence and say, Lord, speak, speak. And through that, he said, hey, your son, your daughter, teach them, train them. Don't let them go. Hell wants them. Satan wants them. Take them back for Jesus. Take them back for me. The Lord is calling on your children. Teach and train them for tomorrow. 
Don't get a religious spirit inside of you that's like, oh, just let them be. No, we've got to teach and we've got to train the next generation because the devil wants them and we won't let them have them. We won't let them have them. The religious spirit is a hypocrite. Matthew 23, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You, get, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. <laughs> oh, you all know someone like this in the church. They're little cherry pickers for problems. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, did you hear this? Oh, we got to clear that gnat out. Oh, that's a problem. We got to get over there. And meanwhile, they are choking down a camel. You walk into their house and you're like, oh, I feel so many spirits. Oh my gosh, what is this place? My discernment level is like the meter is off the chart. What are you dealing with? Your marriage is in ruins and your children are running away. What are you doing? And you had the goal to come and try to call out the church? Religious meters like. <laughs> Discerning of spirits you need. You need it. Let me give you some practical advice. Let me pastor you for a moment. Stop walking around like the Amish horses with blinders on your eyes, trying not to see what the world is doing. Stop trying to be this kind of parent. Stop trying to be this kind of leader. Well, I didn't see it, so I don't have to do anything about it. I didn't see it, so I don't have to be a part of it. I'm not in there. I don't have to do that. No, I don't have to worship. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't have to be a part of that fix. I'm not going to. Stop acting and walking like that. Start to be Christians that stand up, rise up, and be loud about who you are. We value loud here, the proper loud. It's the right loud saying, Lord, you're glorified in this house and nothing else. Holy Spirit is the only spirit that's welcomed in this church. And that is why the religious spirit has a hard time worshiping here. That's why people come and go. Because when their religious spirit starts to rise, they have to leave because they can't be a part of a house that only worships the Lord. They were a part of too many churches that worship people and started taking their sermons and, and baiting them around people, trying to talk about love and grace is the only thing that matters. And as we're pulling into uh, uh, one of Anchor Soccer Games, we passed a church and they have the, the rainbow flag set up and every uh, person that they support and, 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 and adhere to and, and love. And I'm like, whoa, 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 we love them too. But we don't condone it. We love them too. But they can change. God's love is for everyone. But he's so good, he won't let them stay there. Verse 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. 
On the outside, you look well put together. But if we took a trip on the inside, you're wavering all over the place, confused and mass chaos. You go home at night and you can't sleep because of the wavering mindset. You're tormented at night with dreams. The enemy is having a heyday with your mind. But yet you walk in with this spiritually approach, spiritual approach, trying to fix everybody else's problems when your own life is in chaos. And it warns us of this. Be careful. The religious spirit will be unable to take a rebuke because they're full of pride. Religious spirit will be subject to an overwhelming guilt that they can never measure up to the Lord's standards because they're saved by works and not by grace through faith. The religious spirit will believe that they have been appointed to fix everyone else. Religious spirit will have a sense that he or she is closer to God than other people or that their life or ministry is more pleasing to him. Religious spirit will take pride in their spiritual maturity and discipline, and especially as it compares to others. Religious spirit will have the belief that he or she is on the cutting edge of what God is doing. The religious spirit will have a mechanical prayer life. The religious spirit will be overly repulsed by emotionalism. Religious spirit will use emotionalism as substitute for the work of the Holy Spirit. I hope you're taking notes today because this is something that you need to be aware of that is present in the church today. The religious spirit is out to imitate the work of the Holy Spirit. The religious spirit is out to imitate the work of the Holy Spirit. When we say no spirit but the Holy Spirit, we mean it. And we drive into that and say, okay, Lord, you're the only one here. You're the only one allowed here. So reveal others that need to go. That's why a lot of times you'll feel, you'll hear us come up and start to be like, Hey, something's got to go. Let's start warring in the spirit. As we start to warn the spirit because things want to take out his church. Do you understand where we are in Pennsylvania? Do you understand what is around us in this region? Do you understand that we are literally, uh, when they talk about us in the Northeast, when they say, oh, you're on Eastern Standard Time, ooh, you got that cold, church. You ain't in the Bible Belt. Now, listen, the Bible Belt got its own problems, okay? Religious spirits, all kinds of tied up there, okay? We get it. But when people hear that we're in Pennsylvania, I remember talking to so many people and they're like, oh, good. We need a Bible-believing church that believes in the Holy Spirit in Pennsylvania. Are we really that cold? Yes. This region needs a church that's on fire. Yes. This region needs a church that doesn't care what people think, that only care about what he thinks. Yes, this church need, this this region needs a church that's full of people that all they care about is getting in his presence and seeing what he wants to see fulfilled. Yes, this region needs a church that has people on fire that aren't afraid to leave these four walls and go out there and be what they should be, be the light unto the darkness. Yes, this region needs a church that's on fire for him that says what you did in Acts, you're going to do again here. What you did in Acts, you can do here. Lord, what you did in the upper room, Lord, this is your upper room. Move. 
This is the area for you to move. This house is an area for you to move. We are vessels that are ready for you to move. And so we say, religious spirit, go. Holy Spirit, come. Say it with me. Say, religious spirit, go. Holy Spirit, come. Say it again. Say, religious spirit, go. Holy Spirit, come. 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. If you don't believe it, you understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. What in the world? I love the Bible. It's so convicting. I love that the Bible isn't afraid to call out spirits that are attached to people. I love that it's not like going to, to the bookstore and trying to find a good book anymore. I love that it's just honest and truthful and saying, hey, there's the white and black. You can choose what you want. But here's the fine lines. It's the greatest parenting book out there. I just feel that in my spirit. Some of you are reading so many parent books, parenting books, because you're trying to parent your children better. Read the Bible. Read the Bible and watch how he, he, he speaks into parents and how he drives into just, just obedience and how he gives you clear instruction on how to parent. If you have an unruly child, go to the word and start speaking scripture over them. Go to the word. Easiest way. This is just, just simple. Just go to Google and say parenting in the Bible. <laughs> It's not rocket science, okay? Welcome to 2023. It's great. Start teaching your children biblically, and you watch how religious spirits dissolve off of your home. And no longer are you in a struggle, in a fight, but now the Lord is leading every step that you're taking. The Lord wants, he wants your children. So be obedient. Follow his word. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. You didn't have any part. You just said yes. You have no part of the cleansing. You're not greater than anybody else. You don't hold any higher title because now you're saved and they're not. You don't walk into a room and be like, oh, you're not saved? I can't believe it. Wow. You haven't made the choice to convert yet, huh? Hmm. Follow me home. I'll show you. Like, no, you just made it creepy. You just took all the credit. You're weird. No, the Lord is the cleanser. We are the vessels. Oh, it's so good. I have this drink that I drink in the morning before I start my day. And every time I don't wash it out, I just put it in the dishwasher. I didn't learn my lesson for like two weeks. Every time I get it out of the dishwasher, it still had the same stuff on it. I'm like, why? So I try it again. <laughs> Duh. Just repeat. And I pull out the next day. I'm like, why? You know, and then I just repeat because I just I really want my dishwasher to work. 
And I figured out that I was letting the stuff dry too long and the dishwasher wasn't powerful enough to take it off. And here's the thing. This is what the Lord reveals all the time in just crazy moments. The Lord's like, hey, you've got to do, you've got to do your job and I'll do mine. So you've got to say yes before I can actually cleanse you. You've got to come to me and want pride gone for me to be able to strip it. You say you don't want a religious spirit. Give it to me. Do your part. You got to do your part. We're all just walking, hoping that the Lord is going to puppeteer us. It just doesn't happen. Come on. The Bible is so good. Start to read it on a daily. Digest it. Let it be what's in you so that when it comes out, when you get squeezed in that moment of stress at your work, when someone says something they shouldn't have said, all of a sudden you show grace and love when it's properly supposed to be there. Now, out of nowhere, you start walking in his presence and things start to happen. Ooh, things start to happen. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. This is always my red flag with leaders of today when they start talking about what they're doing. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. This is why I have red flags to a lot of things, that, a lot of movements that are going on today, because people start to take credit for what God's doing, and that's a red flag. To me, that is one of the most dangerous areas to be in when you start taking credit for what God is actually doing. Ah, I became a demon slayer in 1993. What? Excuse me? Come again? Let me, let me, let me hear that again. You became? You started driving? You did that? No, no, not you. He. He. So let's back up. Have you been before the Father? Is pride still in your area? I mean, I don't want to be a caller out of things that I feel, but you dealing with something. So now all of a sudden you've got, you've got these, these attachments to people wanting to get there. I did that and I did this and look at the movement that I started and I, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, this church is yours. The fire of God only comes from you. And so we ask, Lord, poor, we're just going to be obedient and get in position. It's not about a man. It's about him. It's not about a man. It's about him. He is the only spirit. Come on. Some of you have forgotten the power of his names. Many names. Many names. There's many names of the Lord. For some of you, you need to start saying these in your house. You need to start quoting these. You need to start saying them out loud, starting to, 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 to prophesy with, with God's names over your home. You've been dealing with, you've been dealing with, I, I love it. I just wrote out. So Elohim, God, creator, mighty, strong, Adonai, Lord, master, Rapha, the Lord who heals. Come on. You've been dealing with healing. Start calling on the Lord of healing. Rapha, we call on your name, Yeshua. That's your original name. We call on your name. We say, Lord, speak. I need all of you. Nisi, the Lord, our banner, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Come on, we've been dealing with peace. Start calling on his name of peace. God, we need all of you. We want all of you. We, we live to be in, in your presence. You got to know his name. The Sanhedrin, an elite council of priestly and lay elders, arrested Jesus during the Jewish festival of Passover. Deeply threatened by his teachings, they dragged him before Pilate to be tried for blasphemy, for claiming, they said, to be king of the Jews. John 19, verse 5. So Jesus came out 
wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. You want to talk about a discernment meter going off? Pilate's like, whoa, I don't feel good about this. This doesn't feel right. You know what? I'll just let you take him so my blood isn't on. Verse 12, from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold, your king, they cried out away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus. Pilate thought he was washing his hands by handing him over. How many Christians today think I didn't get involved, so my hands are clean. And the Lord's up in heaven. He says, why are you not fighting for my people? You had a choice and you gave it up under pressure. When the people come in front of your house and start to yell, traitor, you turned. You're going after something that is empty. What are you going to do? Will you turn? Will you appease the crowd? Will you let your religious spirit? Hey, this is our law. This is what we said. Crucify him. It was the religious leaders that wanted him dead. When we talk about religious spirit, there it was in full force. Right before Jesus' crucifixion. Now, they didn't know that he had already planned an after party. They had no idea. They weren't invited. That was an RSVP letter, and you had to like write back, you want filet mignon, salmon, you know, all that stuff. And they didn't get that invite. He personally got that invite. They didn't know that, that was the actual plan. So they went off emotion. Ooh. They were led by the religious spirit, and the crowd just joined those of the religious spirit, the religious leaders. Oh, they're our leaders. We're going to follow them. Crucify him. If they're saying it, we say it. Let's, let's all do this together. Crucify him. Not understanding what they were doing, not understanding that they would be in a book that we'd all be reading about saying, ooh, ha, that's dangerous. Ooh, I can't even imagine being there in that moment, seeing the division happen in that place. Be careful. The religious spirit is everywhere. And it's going after the church of today. Stand with me, please. Everyone standing worship team, you can join me, please.